everyone and welcome to the Pet Accountant Podcast with me, your host, Vicky Clark. I'm going to help you get to grips with your finances, save you lots of money and take the stress out of doing your tax return. So let's get going. Hello everyone, uh, welcome to this week's Wind Down Wednesday uh, with myself, Vicky, uh, not to be confused with Amy and uh, Lee. Uh, not to be confused with Leanne. Um, so tonight we are talking about pricing. Um, if you are new to the group, because we have quite a few uh, group members on uh, this week, uh, we run the Pet Accountant, which is an accountancy firm that deals with pet businesses across the UK. So any accountancy, taxi type questions, um, then put them in the group. We do monitor it um, to make sure that all the answers are correct, because what we don't want to do is have one of those groups where people talk crap and give you wrong advice regarding tax and things. So we are about in the group, so just tag us in anything you want us to answer. Um, every week we do a live on certain topics, um, and this week we have got a great live tonight on pricing, which is probably a very controversial topic um, because it does pop up whether you're a dog groomer, dog walker, dog boarder, dog trainer, pet shop, everyone talks about it. And it's we're not going to tell you how, to, we're not going to tell you what to price your services at. So we're not going to say you must charge 20 quid for a dog walk or 40 quid for a cockapoo. Um, we're going to talk to you about the theory behind it and how you actually work out your pricing so that you actually make a profit. Because I know through experience with talking to you guys and obviously listening to the comments in the other groups um, that a lot of people sort of go off what everyone else is doing. There's not really a structure as to how you're actually pricing your services. So hopefully today will help. Uh, hopefully Lee won't confuse you with all his jargon um, or send you to sleep with some of it. <laughs> uh, you are? Got some good ones today as well. Oh, we've got good ones. So we're all about positive vibes today. Um, no talking about tax avoidance and how not to go to jail and things you can't put through your accounts and all being doom and gloom. Today we're talking about pricing, so it's all going to be good, all going to be positive, and how we can make lots of money. This is uh, Lee's exciting topic. He's wrote notes again, so that's an indication that he loves it. He's got a big smile on his face and he's got a beer in his hand. What yeah. more could you want? Every Wednesday. So, every Wednesday, we want to drink on a Wednesday. <laughs> right. It, as always, guys, if you've got any questions, please pop them in the comments. Uh, we had loads last week when we were talking about expenses. Um, anything you want to ask, just pop it in the comments. Even if it's not pricing related, we will try and answer it the best we can. Um, and we'll just go from there. So... Where do you want to start, Lee? Talk to me. Right. Where we're starting. So I'm going to start with the rate of inflation. Now, <laughs> yeah, look at all those viewers drop. No. And we've gone to zero. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I want to start with it is because I want to try and simplify it the best I can to try to explain why that has an effect on your prices and what you need to do in order to make sure that when you have a price increase, it is a price increase and you're not just trying to keep up with the value of the pound, basically. So rate of inflation, it is basically, in its most basic form, 
the increase in prices over a given time frame. So this month, for argument's sake, compared to the, the last roll in 12 months, the rate of inflation for the UK is currently at 6.8%. Now, that really means nothing until you can start to look at it in terms of how it affects you as, as a business owner and your prices. And the, the easiest way that I can put this is if you generated £100 last year, in today's money, if you didn't raise your prices, that same £100 is only worth £93.63. Quite simply, your £100 doesn't go as far now as it did 12 months ago. So when you start to look at your prices and you and you think, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm already charging £35. My, my customers can't afford another price increase. Mm-hmm. And the rate of inflation is at 6.8%. If you don't increase your prices by at least the rate of inflation, the money that you receive from your client will simply not go as far. It won't cover an, a, as many bills as it used to. You won't have as much profit left over. And, and, and if you do, you can't buy as much food or as you know as much luxury goods as you could 12 months ago so what i'm trying to say is this that the rate of inflation as a business owner you should be putting your prices up by at least the rate of inflation to make sure that the money that you earn that you work bloody hard for will still go as far as it did 12 months ago now the likes of mobile phone contracts for, for argument's sake, like Orange, and probably Orange is probably, well, EE now, is one of the worst for it. They increase their prices by the, 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 the consumer uh, retail price index, which is, again, another measure of inflation, plus a percentage. So they're making sure that they get the 6.8% over the last 12 months, and then they increase it by another 4%. So, so their price increase... Mm-hmm could be anywhere between 10 and 15% this year because they want to make sure that not only do they get the same value for money now, but they also want to make a little bit more profit, which is where their actual price increase comes in. Mm. So to give you... I think think the problem is that people in this industry don't think that they can increase their prices everywhere. And I think... It does boil down to a mindset issue, I think. And it's like, well, I can't charge that much. I can't increase my prices by 7% because no one's going to pay them because I'm only a dog groomer, I'm only a dog walker, I'm only a dog trainer. And I do think there's that mental block, you know, that people just think, well, I can't. I've already increased my prices like two years ago. They can't possibly pay another fiver or another 10, 20, 30 quid because people won't pay it. But unfortunately... Every other business does, so, so why not? It's, even thinking about it from an employee point of view, we've got nurses on strike at the moment and doctors on strike at the moment because they want pay rises. If they get a pay rise of 6 or 8 or 10% on their wages, it's because the cost of living, the cost of everything has gone up. So they want more money to pay for the same things that they had before. So if you're saying that you can't put your prices up because people won't pay it, the whole idea is is the entire economy moves forward slightly and therefore everybody puts their prices up and people get more through their wages to account for the fact that the prices have gone up. 
if you don't put your prices up, what's going to happen is that that's slowly going to chip away at your profits. Quite frankly, your suppliers are going to be costing you more. And that that doesn't matter whether you're a dog walker, a boarder, a, a groomer. You're going to be buying poo bags. You're going to be buying shampoos. You're going to be buying insurance, software. Um, you know, there's you're going to be buying uniform. You'll have staff. All of those prices are going to increase. So unless you follow suit with your prices, you're going to be priced to a stage where it, you're going to struggle to make ends meet because you, your money's not going as far as it used to and your costs have gone up. So that's basically where the rate of inflation comes into play here. But I, I didn't want to focus on that because some people will look at their prices in a slightly different way, mm. try and work out, well, I don't know how much, you know, that things cost me as a, as a business owner. And what I say to somebody is we need to have a look at the absorption of overheads. Now, sounds complicated, but actually it's really quite simple. And Sounds and, very accountancy-like. <laughs> yeah. It was like, what on earth is he talking about? So what, what do I mean by absorption of overheads? So what we're looking at is... Over a given period of time, I'd say a month for argument's sake, because the longer that you look at it over, the more accurate your figures are going to be. Take all of the costs of your business over a, a, a 30 day period and include absolutely everything. But you also need to count the number of, if you're a groomer, count the number of grooms that you do. If you're a boarder, the number of dogs or cats that you've boarded. And if you're a walker, the number of dogs that you've walked for the same period, you take your expenses and you divide that by the number of grooms, boards or walks that you've done. So for argument's sake, if you had a thousand pound of overheads in that month, so your business running cost was a thousand pounds and you did a hundred grooms. And again, I'm just using groomers just because it's it's an easy one to remember, but whether it's walkers, boarders, you did a, a hundred grooms. That means for every groom that you did, it's going to absorb ten pounds of overheads. So if you charge thirty-five pound for a dog, a, a, a dog, problem's sake, the first ten pound of that groom is covering your overheads. The other twenty-five pounds is yours in your back pocket. Now that's quite a simple math to work out, but what that enables you to do is you have two types of, of, of businesses with their pricing structure. The first one is sell them high, or, or sorry, rack them high, sell them cheap, i.e. they're going to do it by volume. So the only way that they're going to get that overhead absorption down is by increasing the number of dogs they groom in a day over that monthly period. So it means that for every dog they get through, it'll cost them less than £10 absorption of their overheads. The problem with that method is there's a limiting factor with the number of dogs and space that you may have to physically groom, but also it's going to tire you out. It's mm. a physical demanding job that by racking people through the doors and having them on a, you know, a, a, a continuous one in one out system, you're going to be so tired. And I think that's the issue is that there's so many people on social media going, oh, I made like three grand this month or four grand. But it, 
what they don't see is that person had to work seven days a week, 12 hours a day because their prices were so low and they were grooming or walking or born so many dogs to get to that point. Whereas actually, if you priced it properly, you could do a lot less and get the same amount. And, and, and that's where the other type of business owner that comes in that goes, I'm not going to be working stupid hours. I'm going to charge more. I may lose some clients. But if I lose those clients, the clients that are paying more will cover the ones that I've lost. So I'm now working less for the same amount of money as when I was having low prices and one in, one out system. So you can still cover the overheads with a lower number of dogs or boards or grooms. Um, but the important thing is, is that you need to know your figures. The other important factor is, is if you know how much money that you need to make every month, you can start tallying up from, from the first day of the month you can start to say, right, I've had three dogs in today. Each dog was £30, so I've earned £90 today. My bills this month is £1,000. I've got £910 left to do before I start making a profit. Once you've hit that £1,000 mark in grooms, you know that every dog that you then groom at that point is pure profit because you've covered all your overheads. So now, now that you've covered your overheads, it might encourage you to work a little bit more, maybe change the hours that you work to get more dogs in because it's now going into your back pocket. You're no longer covering those running costs. And you can be smart about that once you know that. So I was on one of the forums the other day and I seen a dog groomer say that Saturday and Sunday is their busiest days and they are now taking two days off in the week. And if clients want an appointment on a Saturday and Sunday, because it is the most convenient days for their clients, i.e. they don't work Saturdays and Sundays, so it's easier to get the dogs to you and get them collected. They said there's a £10 premium to book a slot on Saturday or Sunday. So the dog group is 50 or 60 quid during the week. But if you want it on a weekend, it's an extra tenner on their standard groom. And they said nobody has battered an eyelid and people are taking those slots purely and simply because it's convenient to them to have it on a weekend. Yeah. And the thing is, people will pay, pay for convenience. People don't want to faff around and rush around after work or during work. And I think I, I've never seen anyone do that before. I've never heard of anyone do that before. And I think that's a really good idea. Why why don't open on your busiest days and work during the week when you don't get as many? Yeah. So, it you know, and because you're charging extra, it allows you either to take that as pure profit or to cut down slightly so that you've got a little bit more of a work-life balance. So for me, those things make perfect sense. And it goes hand in hand with this pricing and getting your pricing right and working out what your overheads are and understand mm. figures to start with. And I say that pretty much in every, well, I have done every live that we do. And I know obviously we're accountants, so we're going to be like focused on the figures as a given. However, in order to, to make a profit and to understand your business, yes, it's all well and good talking about marketing and getting staff and all of this sort of stuff. But if you're not looking at your figures, 
it won't work. It's like a physical impossibility. If you're not looking at your figures and, and what you're spending and what you're bringing in and what you're charging, it physically will not work. And yeah. people spend fortunes on, on all of these other things. And the last thing that they look at is their figures or the last thing they want to spend money on is an accountant or a bookkeeper or a financial advisor. But actually, those are the ones actually going to help you make money. But it's the first one to go. You, you, you've got to remember that, you know, and we have clients come to us and say oh, they can't afford our services. But my argument back is how can you not afford to have somebody that has insight into how your business can run so that we can have conversations about your costs, about your pricing, about what the business is going to do? Can you afford an employee? Is that the is that the right step for you? What's the next step that you're going to take and how are you going to grow your business? Without- and we've had people, we have had clients come to us and say, look, you know, I'm I'm turning over a lot of money, but actually my profit level is tiny. Like I'm turning over 90 grand, but actually my profit level is like 15. Yeah. And you're like, well, hang on, there's, there's clearly something not right. And whereas some people might go, do you know what? I can't afford an accountant. I'm going to go, I'm going to just do it myself. Fair enough. However, those people have come to us because that, you know, wait, there are clients. I said, look, can you help me? And we've sat down with a few now. We've said, right, let's just look at your figures. And we've literally drilled down into every single figure, given them changes to make, tell them what they need to do. And then the next month they come back and say, we've had the best month we've ever had in like 12 months. And it's those little tweaks. And that's what we're paid to do. Yes, we do your tax return and we we do your accounts. And, and that's fine. That's a given. That's what everyone thinks accounts do is that we just do the tax return and we just file your accounts and then we see you next year. We know how to look at figures. You know, we can we can show you what to do. We, it, it, you know, sometimes it just needs a, se- a separate pair of eyes to go, well, actually, you haven't put your prices up in five years. You know, you're still charging five years ago, which means you're losing money. You know, this is what you need to do. Look at your expenses. Can you get something in bulk? Can you ask for a discount? Can you do this? Can you do that? You know, that product's making no money. Just get rid of it. Yeah. You know, and someone's put... Um, Helen Norden Helen's put, I've been in business for 13 years, not ever put my prices up because I live in a small village with so many other businesses setting up. I'm too worried to put prices up, especially as I have long-standing clients. I mean, my comment back to that would be if they're long-standing, they trust you, they know you, you do a good job, they're not going to care if you put your prices up. And for five years, get those prices up seriously because yeah. all your profit is going to be doing is that. Yeah. Yeah, because of what Lee said, with the rise in prices, the rise in your, you know, your expenses, you're just going to be making less and less money, and it's just not going to be worth doing it at one point. You've, you've got to remember as well, and that's where this rate of inflation comes into play. If you made twenty grand last year and you made twenty grand this year, on paper, you've made the same amount of money. Okay, so from a from a, a, an accounting aspect. 20 grand to 20 grand. The problem is, is that 20 grand this year, you can't buy the same amount of stuff in the shops. You can't live the same as you did last year because it costs you more in in the cost of living this year. So by not putting the prices up, you've actually devalued and had a price decrease. And that's that's the bit that, you know, it's difficult to understand is, well, 20 grand, 20 grand but it's not when you consider what happens in the world 
and and how the value of the pound changes it doesn't go as far so for argument's sake if if you if you if you priced yourself at 100 pounds last year and that could be from you know one one thing or another it doesn't matter but it's it's round figures for for easy maths if you priced at 100 pounds last year and you had a 2% increase so you've put 2 pound on 100 quid because the rate of inflation is 6 6.8% this year you've actually lost 4.8% over that year because you only put it up by 2%. So actually, the money doesn't go as far. You you can't use it as well as you did last year. You've lost 4.8% in in that price increase. If you put it up 8% because of the cost of living, you're only actually making 1.2% increase on your prices. So whilst it's 8% on paper, the real world monetary value of it is £1.20 in £100. I've seen loads of businesses, even because uh, I'm renting at the moment, waiting for my house to go through, third time lucky. Um, and on his contract, I noticed that he put rent will increase with the rate of inflation every year. And you're yeah. like, oh shit, <laughs> like, I'm glad I'm getting out. It probably cost me a fortune. Um, and, you know, why can't, and I've seen loads of businesses do that. Why can't groomers and boarders, walkers do that? Every year, the prices will increase at the rate of inflation. And even then, you're really not going to make a profit, but it's still, at least you're putting them up. And the customers are aware of that from, from day one. So uh, so Nordine has said there that don't you think that having a dog walker or dog daycare is a luxury so that people will just stop using you? And my answer to that is that there is two types of people. You have got dog owners who implicitly love their dogs and and treat them with you know with is that all your soaring in the background by the way it is yeah he's by my feet <laughs> i thought that i was like what well, is that really annoying noise is it oscar uh, it's, it's cooper the deaf one. <laughs> oh, bless him well we can't be angry at him he can't hear himself um so what i was saying is there's two types of people you've got one person that will spend the money on their dog because the dog to them is their baby you know, it's it doesn't matter what it costs. They want them to look good, have the best, and they will spend the money. You've then got the other person that is, is born out of necessity. They have to take it to daycare because they've got work. They have to take it to the groomer because it's a long-haired dog, and if they don't, it will start to smell, for argument's sake. So it doesn't really matter which type of those two that you've got. If it's the one that is just looking for the cheapest – then it doesn't matter because that's not the client that you want anyway, because they're not going to be loyal to you. As soon as you move that price point, they will go to a competitor who is cheaper than you. But if that's the case, there's no loyalty. So why worry if they're going to pay the prices? But yet for that one client that you do lose, because you're putting everybody's prices up, the likelihood is is that the price increase will more than cover the clients that you lose because of the price increase. So overall, you should have a net gain and therefore more profit from the increase itself. Um, you know, and it doesn't have to be this big massive jump. But you've got to think, you know, like not everybody in 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 a pay position gets an annual pay rise. Most people do if the companies can afford it. And the reason they get that pay rise is not because of the job that they're doing and how good of a job that they're doing, because that's recognized in in promotions. The reason they get a pay rise 
is to reflect the fact that the money doesn't go as far and therefore you're trying to keep up with the world and and what that role now pays if they've got extra money because they've had a pay increase you as a business owner need to be capitalizing on that and thinking hang on a second if everybody's got a little bit extra money because they've had pay increases then i need to raise my prices because i want a pay increase you know you're you're no different but the only way that you guys get a pay increase because you run your businesses is by putting your prices up and let's face it as a business owner you can either reduce costs increase capacity to get more volume through the door or raise your prices they're the only ways that you can raise your your profit levels you can diversify by introducing other products um which has been successful because i you know i'm a, i'm an avid fan of cross selling and upselling doesn't matter what industry you're in cross selling and upselling is always mm-hmm. you can add thousands of pounds onto your your profits a year um but again you add those in until one year you've then got to up their prices in year 2 because mm-hmm. otherwise the same thing will happen so it you know you should be doing a combination of both of looking for opportunities and also putting and adjusting your prices in line with what's happening within the world you've got to it's and it's one of those things that people don't like doing and I, and i appreciate it and we before i met lee i hadn't put my prices up for about 7 years and you know i even and then when we got together i think i'd put them up a little bit smidgen maybe just before that and it is hard it's a hard to get your mindset around because you think oh my god i'm going to lose clients but then the day you know for us for example all of our um, software prices have gone to zero and free agent where we were allowed to give loads of discounts and uh, we can't no, no longer do that because they whack their prices up you know all of our software is very very expensive anyway and they've all just hiked their prices up within like a week of each other um you know wages you know everything software insurances all all have gone up if we didn't then put our prices up as, as high as it's going to be and we will be doing by a very very small amount next year because we have to otherwise we're going to be making a loss and as a business owner there's no point of having a business if you're going to continue make a loss because you can't put your prices up or you don't have the confidence to put your prices up you know you know when i put the price when we went back registered we actually tip lower the prices a little bit and i think out of the hundreds of clients that we have i think we lost two and we've probably taken on 200 more since then and i think you know and we've had clients go no my god I'm going back register I'm going to lose all my clients I've had to cut my prices up 20% and actually when they've done it they've not lost any and i think like we said the clients that are going to go and piss off you know you, you put your prices up I'm going elsewhere are not the clients that you want you know it, it doesn't matter what industry and you're going to get pain in the ass clients and the ones that whinge about you having to put your prices up don't value what you do in the first place so yeah. just let them go away um Natalia's put a lot of dogs have been neglected now as people can't afford the price hikes yeah i mean unfortunately you know from lockdown loads of people got puppies that probably shouldn't have got puppies and now obviously all of the kennels and and homes are overloaded with puppies and dogs which is very very sad and you would just hope that people wouldn't get a dog that they can't afford to look after um so that, but it happens and there's some people can't you know you know if but then you think 
don't get a, a bloody cockapoo or a husky if you can't afford to groom it. I got Frank, who's a um, a smooth-haired dachshund, not because I couldn't afford to groom him, but I thought, God, at least I don't have to take him to the groomers every six weeks because it'd be a ball lake. But um, you would hope that people wouldn't do that, but unfortunately it does happen. Um, Helen's put, uh, as a home boarder and daycare, we can't increase numbers as we're restricted by a licence. Yeah, I get that. Yet clients don't think twice about not needing you this week or that day. Guess that's in the terms and conditions, but I feel like I'm working more to cover by adding walking in. Yeah, unfortunately, again, it's one of those things that clients don't see the value in what you guys do. And I see it time and time again. You know, people go to a hairdresser and pay 80 quid for them to wash the hair and give them a bit of a trim, yet they won't pay 30 quid for to for you to wash their dog's arse, clean that, you know, cut their nails, wipe their eyes and their ears and give them a full-on haircut that takes two and a half hours. You know, and and I do think it's about you need to educate your clients on what it is that you actually do. I mean, think of how many people pay for kids to go to bloody nursery. It's just the same. You're looking after someone's baby. For me on that one, I think it's all about setting out your stall as well. And Mm -hmm. that's a term that we generally use when it's at the beginning of a relationship about how you want that relationship to develop and setting your boundaries with those clients. So for argument's sake, if you know that they are dropping you at a whim, so it doesn't give you the opportunity to fill that slot, it it does come down to, like you said, the condition side, but it's also about having that conversation with the client and saying, well, look, up to seven days beforehand, you can cancel and change, not a problem. If you try to do that within the seven days, and unfortunately you're going to be billed for that slot that you've let go because I've got other people that want to fill that that I've had to say no to. And if you want to keep that slot open, you'll need to pay for the day that you wasn't there because otherwise I'll need to let that slot go, refill it with a new client, and unfortunately you'll have to wait for another one to become available again. And by instilling the fact that you've got a waiting list to your clients, even if you haven't, you're creating demand and then I might think shit do you know what I will send the dog today even though I don't need it because next I don't week, want to lose my spot I don't I'm, I'm gonna need it next week so I don't want to lose my slot um you know and my hairdresser uh I missed my appointment there last month and I still paid full price for a haircut that I didn't have and I told her to bill me for it so because it was my fault and I think that whenever you whenever you book into a one-to-one situation, even if it's with a, a larger kennel, you still have that responsibility to, to, to either let them know that you're not going. And if it's not within a set time, there's an expectation to be charged. And I just think, you know, it's it's having that confidence to be able to say to that person, I'm really sorry, but I am going to have to charge you and do it. Don't pre- don't just say you're going to do it, do it. Because one, it'll either stop them from doing it again, or the next time that they do do it, they know they need to pay you for it. So mm-hmm. their choice not to use you shouldn't affect your income. And there are ways that you can condition the fact that make them turn up, make them pay for the slot. And if it's reg- if they're regularly cancelling, get rid of them. Get rid of them. Find someone else to fill that slot. 
You know, you look at, we've had Shannon on here, who's a dog groomer, and we had Louise on, who's a, a cat groomer. And they were very strict. They're very strict about their terms and conditions. You know, you miss a groom, the next time you come, it's double. You know, you miss it, I'm going to charge you for a cancellation fee. You know, if you mess me about, I don't want you as a client. And they're very strict. And funnily enough, they're the ones that are fully booked weeks and months in advance on making masses of profit. And that's purely because they're being very strict on, on their terms. If you piss me off, you mess me about, I'm not interested, I don't want you as a client. I'll have someone else that will come through the door who will, who will you know, value what I do. And, and we get it. You know, we get people, you know, for, for an example, and we're, we're always open and honest, just to give you an example, it, it is hard to say, like, be strict with clients because it feels bloody awkward. You know, I had a lovely client, done her accounts for the last couple of years, uh, moved to free agent, um, went, yeah, my accounts are ready, um, if you could just have a look. Uh, went on to free agent, and unfortunately, um, free agent was a bit of a mess, is, is the politest way I could put it. To the point where I said, look, you know, I can fix it, but it's going to take hours because you've done X, Y, and Z. And unfortunately, that is not included in the price. So I'm going to have to charge you the bookkeeping fee. The same as if you had a dog that came in that was 50 quid, but it was really matted. It's going to take you an extra two hours. You charge it. And all of a sudden, I got the shittiest email back. Oh, well, if you can't do it, I'll find someone who can. And I said, hang on a minute. It's not the fact that I can't do it. I can, but I'm not going to spend three, four, five hours fixing something for free. Sorry, but I can't. And then all of a sudden, not heard of Dickie Wilson. So unfortunately, we've disengaged and said, you know what? We've, you've not spoken to us. We're no longer a client. Sorry, go and find another accountant. And that might sound harsh, but we don't want clients like that. And if they don't value what we do, then so be it. We're going to stand by our rules. We're not going to do shit for free. And that's the same with any business. Don't don't clean someone's dog that's got millions of mats. It takes you three hours for nothing. That's, that's the difficulty is, is you're not a charity. And exactly. We're not a charity. We are in this to make money. And, and it's the same with you guys. You do it to make money because... That's that's why you set up on your own. And I need to live. <laughs> absolutely. And the more you give people for free, the more is expected that you'll do it for free. So it's then very difficult to try and rein that back in and say, hang on a second, I've done this the last few times, but actually we need to have a conversation because this is above and beyond what you've brought the dog in for today. And it is going to take me X number of hours to rectify this situation. So I'm, I'm really sorry, but I, I now have to charge you for my time to be able to get the dog to the stage of where I can actually do the groom, which is what they were booked in for. So don't be afraid to have those conversations with people. One, it educates the client. So they think, oh, OK, maybe I, I have been a bit neglectful and I probably should have brought the dog in a little bit sooner. Two. It instills the fact that if they do it again, they're going to get charged and it's going to cost them more. So actually, it was better to bring the dog in before it got to that stage, which makes your life easier. So upsell. upsell. You know, if you bought this, if you bought this comb and brush, yeah, and you did, and you show this is what you need to do with your dog in between our grooms. Then when you bring it, it's going to be this price because you've maintained it. Please buy one of our please buy one of our brushes. Please buy the perfume. Da da da. 
and it gives you a chance to upsell. Um, so always put people will find. Um, oh, it wasn't that one. Was it that one? Um, no, wrong one. Uh, thanks for having this conversation. It's so important. I've got so much better over time with increasing my prices. Pricing right and knowing my numbers is hard, but so worth it. Pricing is so closely connected to confidence. Totally agree. And how we feel about ourselves and our services and the pet industry desperately needs to take themselves seriously as highly skilled professionals and charge appropriately. Right. One million quadrillion percent agree with that comment, Zoe. I think as a pet as a pet industry as a whole, people do not you know, value themselves and do not have the confidence in themselves. If you gave me and Lee some clippers or said train that dog, I mean, F knows what it would come out like because we literally haven't got a clue. And I sometimes when I go to these grooming shows, I know we always use grooming as an example, but it's just easy to get the point across. You know, and I always call these dogs and, and Tegan will shout at me because I don't know which one it is. I call them the cloud with eyes. It's just a bubble with eyes. And I don't know how they get them so round and literally pristine. And I think, how on earth has someone made that dog look like a cloud? <laughs> and it's and, and I think if people just realised what you guys actually did and what was involved in the technical skill that you do, people would, uns- or Bichons, just laughing, Bichons, um, you know, I always call them a cloud with eyes, they're pretty cute. Um you know, if the people understood what actually you went through to do it, then they, sh- they wouldn't argue. No one argues with a hairdresser. And a hairdresser, like no disrespect to hairdressers, but they don't do half as much as with humans as, as you guys do with dogs. And you charge a fraction of the price. I went for a trim when I lived in London and it cost me like 90 quid. And all he did was wash my hair and went like that. I mean, obviously there's more skill involved in that, but you know what I mean? Like 90 quid, yet you're charging 40 quid to wash a dog's arsehole. And I think I wouldn't do that for 40 quid. God, no. I'd rather work somewhere else. Um, someone's put about if dogs are ill. I mean, obviously, if a dog's ill, you know, it would be a bit harsh to charge them. If they were, you know, if they were ill on that day, if they've been ill for weeks, then they should still tell you in advance. So that's a bit of a difficult one because it depends when the dog was ill. This um, is I, hard face part comes in from my perspective oh here he goes yeah disagreement time oh i think if the client brings you up and tells you that the dog is ill you have to take it on its own merit however it's i personally would still have the scenario of if they booked it they should pay for it that's because you're a mean bitch I, i know i am i am i just think well the dog being ill is not your problem, but trying to fill the slot when they didn't give you enough notice is. So why should the dog being ill impact your earnings? Because you you can't go out and get another person to take that slot. Now, it does come a part of compassion. And if you believe the client and, you you know, maybe you know that the dog has had medical problems so that it is highly likely that the dog is ill, then you could say on this instance, as a one-off, we would waiver the fee of where the dog should be. But you need to make it crystal clear that this is a one-off on compassionate grounds. It won't be granted again. Because once the client knows, they can ring up and say, dog's ill, and you'll cancel the appointment. 
I'll guarantee that's what will happen every single time they miss the appointment. But then again, you've got if the client has been golden for two years and then all of a sudden their dog's ill and they've never messed you about before, then obviously I personally would give them a bit of leeway. If they're an annoying client, they take the piss all the time. I would say, no, I don't care. Well, not that I don't care, dog's ill, but unfortunately, you're still going to have to pay. So, yeah, you've got to take it on a case-by-case basis. Um, So I think my prices are probably slightly higher than most, but one client said, I'm the gold standard for a dog walker, and people are happy to pay more knowing that they're getting such a good service. If anyone queried my prices, I wouldn't have them as a client. Fabulous. Our dog walker, I couldn't care less if she charged me 40, 50 quid for a walk. Because I trust her and I know the dogs love her, I pay it at the end of the day. Um, do you recommend do you recommend an individual letter emailed to each client telling them of the rise or just updating website price, thinking how and when is best? I wouldn't just update the website. I would... Ooh. Oh, you wouldn't, or you, or you would? I wouldn't just update the website and expect <laughs> them to see it. No. Um, I oh, depend... Yeah. Depending on how many clients you have... If you've only got a small amount of clients, and personally, I would ring them and and give that personal edge and say, look, I'm increasing my prices, blah, 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 and this is why. For us, when we increase our prices because we've got so many clients, it would literally take weeks to ring every single one because not everyone answers the phone. Um, we would send an email. But I, th- I feel like they're going to say something else. I think, I think it's important that if you do ring the clients to try and give them the heads up, you should always follow it up with an email regardless so that it is in writing, that you have an audit trail to tell them on such and such a date you've told them about the price increase. Because what happens if you ring and you get Mr. at home and Mr. doesn't pass that on to the person that brings the dog in? And then you have an awkward conversation when that other person brings the dog into yourself of, well, my prices have gone up. I did ring. Did the other half not tell you? And, you know, it can be a little bit difficult. So by by utilizing the email addresses, bulk emails are really easy to send and you can still personalize them. And, you know, even even when we are going through this pricing exercise at the moment, because that's what we are doing, we didn't do it when the the, the rate of inflation went up to like nearly 11 percent last year. We've waited for it to settle back down and we are going through now looking at We've just done the payroll prices. We're just doing the bookkeeping. And then we're going to be looking at the sole trades, partnerships and limited companies over the next couple of months. We are writing individual emails to people so that we can explain to them why we've had to put the price increase up. Um, but also to give, you know, so that if they want to discuss that, you're giving them the opportunity to ring you up and have that conversation if they want to discuss it. So. You know, so you don't necessarily have to ring them off the, the, the off the front end, but give them the option to speak to you to discuss it. Because if they need to change the services that they've got with you to make it a little bit more affordable, then they can. And you don't have to lose that client just because you put the prices up on one aspect of your products. And 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 you know, maybe it's something that they've just kept going, but they don't really need or really want. And this is the opportunity for them to have that conversation with you but you still have the opportunity to retain that client just by tweaking the services that they receive from yourself. And also, it is awkward. You know, we're probably going to find it awkward, but at the same time, we're running the business. And if all our our expenses are going up, 
we've got no choice. I mean, we've held off quite a while putting the price increase and we're always very open and transparent about our prices. We're, we're not the cheapest. No, you will probably 100% get cheaper out there, but we're not the most expensive either. And every client that comes to us has basically paid more than their previous accountant. And we're thinking, hang on a minute, we're doing something wrong. But we charge fair prices you know we don't charge you the same price if you've only got two months worth of work to do and again you've just got to judge it and whatever your I wouldn't say morals but whatever your business ethics are is go with that um we've got loads of comments lee i wish i had you by my side um and tell this to my clients just have a bit of confidence norden have a bit of confidence if they don't want you fuck them off who cares they're not your client. Apologies for the language. Uh, bit of a disclaimer there. Every now and again, it slips out. Um, Woody Woods dog grooming. I need to get stronger with clients. I know I'm soft, but I worry for the dog welfare, so I groom for the usual price. I did well the other day and charged for a dematting charge. My problem is a new Argos clipper groomer. Love that. Doing it for half the price. The industry badly needs regulating. And, and it, this goes back to what Lee said. If they want to go to an Argos bloody dog groomer, then let them go. They're not the right clients you need for your business because they don't value what you do in the first place. So let them go to Argos, charge what you want to charge, charge what you need to charge. And if they don't like it and they want to go to Argos next door, then let them go. You will get the other clients. Um, so I charged 150 quid this week for a, I don't even know how to pronounce that, some sort of dog. <laughs> He was tricky and a mess. They won't be this price every time, but his people were more than happy to pay. Exactly. Emily, nursery would still charge me if my daughter was ill, so I agree, although I don't know if I'd be brave enough to actually do it. And again, it all comes down to confidence you know, and setting your boundaries. Because if clients know they can take the piss, they will carry on taking the piss. And someone's put, if you bought a hang on a second, if you bought a cinema ticket or a flight, or a hotel, and you said, sorry, I was ill, you ain't getting a bloody refund. Yeah. What I was about to say is, once you've had that conversation once with a customer, and it can be any customer, the next time that you're put into that situation, you will be so much more confident, and you won't care that you have to tell the client that. So even if you start with the ones that you don't really care if they leave... (laughs) So that you can hone that skill, if you like. Then, we have none of those. <laughs> then it, it, it builds your confidence to then be able to have that conversation with any client that you have. So it is just about doing it the once. And it's like getting it off your chest. And once you've got it off your chest, next time it comes round, it will just roll off the tongue and you won't think twice about doing it. So it, it is confidence. But start somewhere with ones that you don't really care if they leave. And listen, we've all got clients. It doesn't matter what industry you're in, what it is that you do, there will always be ones that you dread. And if you dread them, they're not the right ones for you. But you haven't built that safety net, that air of confidence with yourself yet to be able to say, I'm sorry, but this relationship isn't working between the two of us and or or you know, unfortunately, your dog just doesn't fit with with what I'm looking to do, and I can no longer groom that dog. Um, and it is a different conversation, but like I said, have it once with the one client that you don't care, and it will make life much, much easier for you when you do have to have more difficult conversations down the line. 
And we've only just and we've only just got good at this. We were terrible last year, and we've had some right horrible clients, and we just kept them anyway. And then now we're like, no, and we're we're quite cutthroat with it because that's not who we want. And you know, we have our ideal client. You guys will have your ideal client, and if they don't fit that mold, don't take them on. Um, what I will have a why does everyone want you by the side? What what about me? I can tell people. <laughs> Maybe I'm too blunt. Who knows? Leaders are softly, softly approached, and I'm just like, suck them. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, they always want to the nicest dogs. Yeah, that is a shame. He's a lovely dog, but hideous owner. Yeah. Um, so always put definitely harder conversations get easier practice, and they do, and we've had a couple now, and it's not nice because you build that relationship with the customer and, and guess with you guys, with the animals, and then you have to say actually no more. Um, it is hard, but at the end of the day, you've got to know what's right for your business and, and your business model and where you see things. And if people don't fit into that, then don't just take them because they're paying you 30, 40, 50, 60 quid because it's just not worth it because um, they will cause you more hassle. Um, Catherine's put, um, I live the ones that ring, I, I'm guessing I like the ones that ring in the morning to cancel as they are ill, not the dog. When I say they'll have to pay for the appointment, they soon recover and fetch the dog in. Exactly. Yeah, and this is it. it. It really does boil down to, you know, having the confidence just to, to, you need to sit down, figure out what your boundaries are, what your terms and conditions are, and then stick to them with all of the clients that come through the door. And as soon as one of those deviates from them and you speak to them and they do it again, get rid there is software that you guys can invest in as well that will help you with this so the likes of savvy for argument's sake you can take deposits with savvy so by doing that and taking the deposit you've already got the money so they're just going to forfeit it so you know with with those type of things so so yes savvy can be an additional expense to start with because you're thinking well my system at the moment's working i've got pen and paper i booked them in i've got no additional overheads but by employing software, and it doesn't have to be savvy, there are other out there, but I know that savvy has it built into the software that it takes deposits, it allows you to do terms and conditions, you can send reminders, so you, you can kind of get rid of your administration tasks by paying a small monthly fee. And honest to God, before, me and Vicky has invested in software, and our software fees are probably in excess of 20 grand a year. And that will scare some people. But honestly, the amount of money that it saves us in time from an administration point of view is unbelievable. We use a, 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 a program called Accountancy Manager. It does very similar things to, to, to Savvy in terms of a customer signs up with us. It sends them out our terms and conditions. It automatically asks them to sign and 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 approve those terms and conditions. So so they're now signing a legally binding contract. And as part of that as well, we can send emails and have an email audit trail backwards and forwards, so that you can have those with your clients. It can send text messages that comes up with Thomas and Clark, so I no longer have to give out my my personal mobile number, and everything is contained within the one system. It contains all of their personal details, and it also allows for not so much accounting manager, but in terms of booking, but it, it stores all important dates for us and sends out automatic reminders 
when tax returns are due, when you're when you've got to pay your tax bills, when you've got to pay HMRC with regards to your PAYE side of things. But Savvy does a similar thing, but it's designed for pet businesses. So you can have a booking system that takes care of all of the administration side, all of the reminders and all of the automatic payments. But what it also does is it allows you to sign clients up to a direct debit system. So you can offer your clients to sign up to a monthly direct debit where you increase the fee ever so slightly on a monthly basis, say two or three quid extra a month so that you get them in on a regular schedule. If they're in every six weeks, you take the payment every month. And that month, you raise their prices by two to three pound a month. So therefore, by the time that their six weeks comes around, they've already paid four or five pound more because they're on a monthly direct debit. So you And that's a clincher, isn't it? Deposits. Yeah. People yeah. do not want to lose their money. You know yourself, if you pay a deposit on, on a restaurant booking or flight or something like that, you're less likely to cancel because you know you've paid the money. And I think it doesn't matter what job you do, dog walking, dog boarding, groomers, whatever. If you take a deposit and you start implementing that, your no-shows will probably halve because people do not want to lose their money, whether it's five or 20 quid. People don't want to lose. Sorry, I had to grab Frank because he kept moaning at the bottom of the chair. And then every time I went to pick him up, he ran away. Um you know, it's it does come down to a lot of things. And you've got to you've got to sit down and, and have a stern conversation with yourself and go, look, you know, what do I want from this? What are my T's and C's going to be? How am I going to implement them? And then whatever you do, stick to them. And I think that is the that is the thing is that people will have all these things, or if you don't show up, I'll charge you 20 quid, or if you don't do this, or if you're late, I'll charge you 15 quid every 20 minutes. But then when people do do those things, they don't implement them. So the clients are, oh, well, they didn't charge me the first time. They probably won't charge me the second time, so I won't do it. Um, So it it is a multiple of things. But you don't need to pay thousands of pounds for people to tell you this. You know, we've just told you for an hour for free. You know, and it's, it's not rocket science in a sense. It's just have some confidence with yourselves and think, do you know what? I've got a skill that not many people have, whether it doesn't matter what you do, I'm going to charge for it. And if you don't like it, then bugger off and find the Argos person around the corner. What would be good to know is put a poll on the group to see how many people charge a late a late fee, as in like, if a client is so many minutes late, do you apply an additional fee for it? And so I know groomers do do that and do have that in their T's and C's, but whether they enforce it... it. Is, is the clincher. If you think about it outside of, of, of what it is, you're, you're not you're not penalising them because they're late. You're penalising them and, and charging them because you've now got to work extra because every client that you have there after that groom is going to be delayed by the amount of time that they were late. So you've got to work later into the evening to get all of mm. your dogs finished. So absolutely they should be paying a little bit extra. So I, you know, if if you don't in, don't employ a, a late drop off fee at the moment, look at putting it in place. Again, it's another one of those little bit of extras that why you might sound well, that's going to push the price up. It's only pushing the price up to the people that bring them in late. Mm. The people that are going to suffer are the people are the ones that you're trying to stop that from happening to start with. So it's yeah. extra money, and you're getting compensated because you now have to work late to finish all the dogs after that one's come in. 
Frank's never late. <laughs> this is Frank, my two and a half year old dashhound, um, the love of my life, goes to daycare, doesn't get groomed because Tegan does it, but he would do if I didn't know a groomer. <laughs> um, but yes, this is little Frank. For those of you who don't know him, this is Frank. Um, right, we've been on quite a while. Um, Long we've list. talked about a lot. Again, it's been, you know, we love it. Oh, Lenka says, hi, Frank. Um, we love it. Oh, no, there's another one. I've multiplied some sausages. <laughs> I've multiplied. I've mul- oh, God, there's another sausage. I've got two. Uh, this, is Mab- this is Mabel, Frank's uh, four-month-old sister, who is a wired-haired dashhound, uh, who's a little terror. Um, I forgot what I was saying now. Oh, God, there's more. They're multiplying. <laughs> the dogs are everywhere. I've only got three before people think I've got some sort of like puppy farm. Um, I forgot what I was saying now. What was I saying? No. <laughs> I don't know. What was I saying? Your family randomly. Oh, yeah. I don't even know what I was saying. Anyway, um, oh yeah, that's what I was saying. We like it when uh, people ask questions and you contribute because it makes our lives easier and it's nice to get involved and obviously we can answer all your questions. Oh God, he's off. Um, so thank you so much for partaking. Uh, we definitely know what the popular topics are, which is pricing and, and expenses. Uh, maybe next week we will do what you are allowed to claim as expenses as the week before we did what you can't have. Um, as always, if there's any topics that you guys want us to talk about, then please let us know and just tag us in the comment in the group uh, and we will dedicate it to a live so um, whatever you, you're stuck on or anything finance-wise, marketing-wise, sales-wise, uh, we are multi-talented. Uh, not only do accounts, but we both have skills in other areas, um, like I said, sales, marketing, all that sort of stuff. Um, so just let us know what you want us to chat about and we will oblige. Um, we don't have any news this week, I don't think. Nothing has really occurred this week. Um, if you're a client of ours and still need your self-assessment done, please send it in. Your the deadline, A. Team members starting with us. Oh, yes. Well, apart from the fact that we need you to get your tax returns in by the 31st of October, mm. if you are a client, then please, please, please get your stuff in so we can get it done. Uh, we do have a new team member, which we've just taken on yesterday, who doesn't start until October. Um, but we will get her on or at least put something on the group to welcome her in. Um, and she will deal with all the limited company side. Uh, so we're very, very excited about that because it means me and me get a bit of free time and we can come on here and talk to you guys a bit more and see you at the trade shows. So that's going to be very exciting. We are in America at the beginning of the week, which all will be revealed uh, nearer the time. Um, but other than that, um, I'm glad you've enjoyed this live. As always, um, all of these are on the Pet Accountant Podcast. That's what it's called. Uh, so if you have Spotify, iTunes, please Google, Google, please search the Pet Accountant Podcast and yeah. subscribe to that and you will hear all of our lovely voices. Uh, I think there's quite a few episodes on there now um, on various different topics. So if you can't find it, go to our website, scroll to the very bottom, and you can click listen now. And there you go. Lee built the website. So again, soon we'll be offering website design. Lee doesn't know it yet, but we will. Um, so if you need your websites designed, let us know. But yes, if you can't find it, it's on our website, petaccountant.co.uk. Please subscribe to the podcast and listen to it and let us know what you think. 
Um, have a great week. Um, we are closing our books at the end of this month. Um, so if you are deliberating whether to give us a call to be a client or not, I'm sure you will see all of our lovely reviews on Google and in the group. But if you are deliberating, then we are closing our books next week. So please let us know and drop us an email, um, admin at thomasandclark.co.uk. And if you want one of us, just basically change it to Vicky or Lee. Um, and we will reply. If for whatever reason you do not get a response, please call our landline number. We are always available pretty much. There'll be someone in the office at some point. So if you can't email us or you haven't had a response, you may well have not got your email. Um, so ring us on the number, which is... 01228 And it is on from 8 in the morning till 5 at night, Monday to Friday. There you go. It's like we've planned it. <laughs> I just don't know the number. I'm terrible. I'm like, uh, 01228, something, something, something. Um, thank you, guys. Uh, lots of thank yous. Uh, I'm glad it's been helpful. Have a good week. Um, make lots of money. Put your prices up. Let us know if you do put your prices up and it's yeah. successful. Yeah, let us know in the group how you get on because everyone will learn from it um, and you will help everyone else regardless of what job they do. So um, please invite your friends to the group. Let's get more people in the group and help them. Uh, and we'll chat to you next week probably about expenses that you can have and we'll have another cheery topic and that topic won't allow you to go to jail so we're all good but yeah have a good evening anyone have a good week have a good weekend and we will see you all very soon uh, next Wednesday take care right. cheers everyone bye 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 thanks for listening if you've enjoyed my podcast don't forget to subscribe for me and if you want to speak to me please visit my website at www.petaccountant.co.uk and if you'd like to join my facebook group which is full of like-minded pet professionals then search accounting for pet professionals in facebook and i will see you there